Hello, everyone, and welcome to the JAG Report. Uh, I'm Jace Pimentel, the Executive Director of the Judicial Action Group, here with our President and Founder, Philip Jureggi. And we have an update for you guys today, some news about judicial nominations and the Supreme Court. Uh, so, Philip, uh, what yes. has been going on with our functions in D.C.? Great. Well, we're, we're going to cover a couple of things. We'll talk about the Supreme Court, of course, the pending Dobbs case, which is a big deal. And then, uh, but also, Jason, I want to talk with you guys about a nominee uh, that you may not have heard a lot about because there's so much happening publicly. But this is a very important nomination because it's a very bad nomination. And we want to talk with you about it, tell you what's happened, and then give you some action items on this. Uh, the nominee is Nancy Abudu. And she is a nominee to the 11th Circuit Court of the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit, also just called the 11th Circuit. But uh, Nancy Abudu was nominated. She's been in the committee for quite a while. She had a hearing uh, a couple couple weeks ago, Jace. I think maybe three or four weeks yeah. ago. And then uh, this week, the committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee, had a vote on Nancy Abudu. And just so you guys understand process, we know, many of you know this, but just so that you understand the process, the president nominates a judicial nominee, the Senate confirms them, but when the nomination comes to the Senate from the White House, it's assigned to the Senate Judiciary Committee. In every, in every case, when you have a judicial nominee, the Judiciary Committee is composed of 12 senators, there's a chair, and then 12 senators. Right now, because of the, the even division in the Senate, there are 11 senators from each party. So the Senate Judiciary Committee voted yesterday morning at maybe, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 in the morning, Jace? Yeah, about yeah, about 10 a.m. And uh, uh, Jace was monitoring it. So Jace, maybe you can tell them what the vote was and kind of how we go from here. Yeah, yeah, they presented her vote and uh, no, no Democrat senators spoke on her behalf. Nobody spoke on her behalf and nobody spoke against her. Um, they just kind of put the vote forward and all the Democrat senators voted in the affirmative. All the Republican senators voted in the negative. So it was an even tie, uh, which what happens now is that she gets uh, sent over to the Senate. The Senate majority leader will get notified of the tie. And then uh, they will have the option to put forward a motion to uh, dismiss the Senate Judiciary Committee of its duties to report it to this report her to the Senate. And then the Senate takes on uh, the responsibilities from there to to vote on her confirmation. That's good. And Jace, I tell you what, we're, we're just uh, being very honest here as we're on video. Jace, as I'm, as I'm talking next, can you look up the Senate calendar? because we wanna talk about when this floor vote is gonna be. And with Memorial Day being Monday, I didn't check the calendar, but there's a, there's a pretty good chance the Senate is out next week. But if you'll check that, I'm gonna give you guys some action items while Jace is checking on that. Just so you guys know, when a, when a nominee is then voted out of committee, then it goes to the full Senate floor where there's a vote. And um, there'll be a final vote, but there's also a cloture vote in here because there was a tie in committee. We're not procedural experts on Senate procedure, but it's my understanding there's a third vote which comes first, which is to, which is to deal with the fact that there, were, there was a tie in committee. And so those votes will be coming up. When they do it, uh, just depends. Sometimes they like to hit it very quickly and other times 
they'll line the nominee up and it may take a week or two or, or a little bit longer sometimes. So Jay's, were you able to find when the, when the Senate is out? Yeah, it looks like they have a state work period until June 3rd, which is a Friday. So that means they'll be back on June 6th. That, that's the first day they're back in session. Okay, good. So, so they won't be voting next week, everybody, but um, we'll give you some detail on still the actions that you can take. And so um, whatever state you're in, you can call your senators and ask them to vote against Nancy Abudu, A-B-U-D-U. Abudu. And I'm, I'm going to tell you where to go on the JAG website so that you can pull a letter, a group letter that was signed by JAG and a number of other leaders. You can go to Judicial Action Group. And then as you scroll across the top, you'll see a tab over to the right that says more. And that then highlights learn. If you click on learn, probably the first article that you see will be a group letter that was signed to senators opposing Nancy Abudu. There's a lot of great detail in that letter that you can use to help you but again, the bottom line is call your senator, ask them to vote no on Nancy Abudu at, for her confirmation to the 11th Circuit. And Jace, we have a couple states in particular that are important states. I have those written down. Do you remember by chance? You want to share that detail on the states and I can help you with it too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, key states would be West Virginia, which is Senator Manchin, uh, and then uh, Lindsey Graham's state, South Carolina, that's another one. Lindsey Graham didn't speak for or against her. He voted no uh, on her um, reporting to the Senate in the, in the committee. So it's unlikely that he would vote yes in the Senate, but he would be one to, to call as he has in the past uh, yes. voted more on the on the line of Democrat. Yeah. Judicial and just just to add on that, Jace, we want to be fair, too. And Jace and I talked about this. Do we mention Lindsey Graham or do we not? Because we want to give him credit for having voted against a in the in the committee. Yes. But that's just in committee. When the nominee comes out to the floor, he doesn't have to do the same thing. Now, it wouldn't make sense that he would vote against her in committee, but then vote for her on the floor. A lot of right. times it could be the opposite where they vote for them in committee and say, well, I oppose the nominee, but I'll at least let them go to the floor and then vote no. But out of an abundance of caution, we don't want to wrongly assume that Senator Graham is going to vote against her on the floor. So we're giving full credit for the great vote that he had in committee. But until we know otherwise, we do want you to call his office. You might even thank him for voting against her in committee, but yeah, then ask him, that please make sure. I'm sorry, Jace. I just said, yeah, to yeah. bolster that vote to say, hey, exactly. great job. Yeah, thank you for voting against her in committee. Are you also planning to vote against her on the floor? And please do so. And so as soon as we know that, that he's committed to do that, we, we will not be asking his constituents to call him anymore. But as Jace mentioned, Senator Manchin in West Virginia, Senator Graham in South Carolina, of course, Manchin, Jace, talk about the significance here, because if we really need one Democrat, right? We need 51 yeah. to ultimately defeat this nominee. And it's possible, but- what yes, are your thoughts yeah. there? Well, yeah, he, so he's Democrat senator, and he has in the past shown that he will adhere more to uh, reason and good ideas rather than just voting with the party orthodoxy. And so he's one uh, that we kind of uh, sh highlight a little bit to say, hey, you know, this senator is someone who uh, appreciates um, the rule of law good sense and reason more than just voting straight down the party line. Uh, and, and, and so with, he's, he's someone that we highlight. 
Exactly. And with that as well, I mean, you think about the dynamics of his state. West Virginia is a fairly conservative state, and their, their constituents would not want him voting for a nominee like Abudu, which let's go ahead and just wrap that in. One of the positions she's had that's the most concerning. I'm pulling up our letter here, but guys, I want you to hear this. Um, this doesn't play well in West Virginia. It doesn't play well anywhere in any state in the United States. But here's what happened. Nancy Abudu, she filed what was called a shadow report. That's not my term or Jace's term. That's what they call what's that's what she called it, a shadow report with the United Nations seeking their involvement in the in United States legal matters after she failed to convince American courts to give felons the right to vote. And so what happened was there were laws that would not let felons vote. Nancy Abudu filed a lawsuit. So mistake number one, she's trying to get the court to legislate from the bench. Even, even in the U.S. courtrooms, that's a problem. But then when she lost with her judicial activism strategy, she took it a step beyond that. She went to the United Nations and asked them to influence U.S. courts and U.S. policy to change it. And so major concern there, Jace. Yeah, it's a huge, you know, I people use this term all the time, but this is actually where it fits is that's a huge threat to our democracy because a, a, our democracy is we, the yeah. people, deciding which rules and laws we are to be uh, bound by. And she's going to seek some a group that is not we the people. It's this international, foreign, unelected body, you know, going to yeah. try and air America's dirty laundry to them and say, you need to come in here and intervene. That's really inappropriate. And Chairman Durbin, when he was making remarks yesterday to the committee before the vote, he one of the things he brought up was her activism. He said, hey, listen, th you know, this person has uh, an amazing record and she has had uh, times where she's been, she has been an advocate and an activist in the past, but she, she stated that that would not affect her decisions moving forward. She was put on the judge to be impartial. He brought up how, you know, Republican activists have been nominated and said, well, I'm not going to be an activist on the bench. And they, he tried to say this like a both sides thing. And I kind of say, okay, whatever. Like, I, I totally disagree, but you can say that. But what you can't say is that it's it's appropriate that she went outside that first of all she tried to get a court to legislate from the bench but then when she lost she doubled down took it up a yeah. notch and went to this foreign sovereign to come not even a sovereign just foreign unelected body to come in and try and influence our laws and i say that is completely inappropriate to have any american judge on the federal bench that has uh behaved in that kind of manner that thought that's even yeah. slightly okay so guys the big point here is we can stop this nominee and i think there's a there's a good chance good chance maybe too great we have a very good chance that we can defeat a voodoo because joe manchin and his constituents no normally would not want to vote for this type of nominee now because manchin's a democrat there may be pressure coming on him from chuck schumer and his party to vote for her, no question about it. But when you're calling the constituents of Senator Manchin in West Virginia and making them aware of this UN position, in addition to two others that we're going to share with you here in just a minute, I think there's a really good chance that Joe Manchin will be responsive to that and that he'll vote against her. He's done the right thing a number of times, guys, in the last year and a half 
Um, I'm not a big Joe Manchin fan, but I am a fan of the fact that he has done the right thing on occasion and, and it took courage to do it. Right. I mean, Jace, that's not easy to stand up to the, to the crazies in the Democrat left party right now. Yeah. He's it's the, it's not only just standing up for what's a good idea and what's right, but it's doing so with tremendous pressure. Yeah. And don't, don't get us wrong guys. We're not endorsing Joe Manchin. He has a number of other positions that are extremely concerning and that we oppose. But the point here is we can win his vote on the issues because of, of where this nominee stands. It is, not, it is not a majority issue in West Virginia to be trying to get the UN to involve in US, involved in US legal matters. Real quick, guys, here are a couple other points. Again, you can find this letter on the JAG website, judicialactiongroup.com. Go to the tab more and then learn, and you'll see this letter that you can download. But here's just another headline for the research that we've provided. Nancy Abudu is an employee and leader with the Southern Poverty Law Center and thereby furthers its defamatory and dangerous targeting of faithful Christians. You can read about it there. Another one, Abudu has a record of promoting religious freedom, except for Christians. She's been in favor of it, but has not been in favor of it when it applies to Christians. So major concern here. You guys can read about that again on the on the Judicial Action Group website. And that's and that's concerning, and it's been mischaracterized. Durbin also brought this up yesterday in entry remarks to her when she's represented uh, a number of religious liberty cases, uh, a, a Hasidic Jewish uh, in law enforcement officer who's trying to you know take a Sabbath, uh, a uh, an inmate that was not being fed his the, the kinds of foods he needed to eat at certain times to you know abide by his religion. When she represents Christians, though, it's so it's very it's very deceiving because when you when you read what she argues and what her positions are in her briefs, she argues that Christians need to be essentially locked away, put away in this box of the church, never to affect society under the guise of well, this protects Christianity. This makes sure that it stays unadulterated, that it stays pure, that it's not, it's not going to be uh, corrupted by the world. And it's so fun, it, it's irritating that when she represents other religions in religious cases, it's they need to be able to engage in their religion in the world. But then when she represents Christians, it's they need to be protected and put away. In other words, Let's lock them away under the rug so they can't uh, spread Zero their uh, dangerous ideas around. And so, <laughs> yeah, Durbin said, like, you know, she's represented all kinds of people and Christians included. And it's like, ah, that's not that's not, that's not it's, yeah. it's deceiving. That's not really what it she's is. been doing. Exactly. And so, guys, here again, we're going to give you six key senators that you can contact. The strategy here is we would need all 50 Republican senators to vote against a voodoo and then one Democrat to do so. And that, that's been happening in some cases. There has been, the, the Senate has been unable to pass some of their bad plans because you've had 50 Republicans voting one way and a Democrat or two joining them. Um, and Manchin has been part of that. So, but here are the other senators, guys. You can call all of them, but I'm just gonna tell you the ones that are key. In terms of Republican senators, Lindsey Graham, as we mentioned, he voted against Abudu in the Judiciary Committee, but he needs to do the same on the floor. Then Susan Collins in Maine. If you're in Maine, call Susan Collins. Ask her to vote against Nancy Abudu. The same for Lisa, Mur Lisa Murkowski, senator in Alaska. And then the same also for Mitt Romney in Utah. Those are the four key Republicans. And of course, you can go well beyond that. But we're just giving you four 
that are the most important ones. And then again, Senator Joe Manchin in West Virginia asked him to vote against a voodoo. And then Kristen Sinema in Arizona asked her to vote against a voodoo. Jace, does that sound good? Yeah, those are all the ones that we kind of have on our radar to uh, focus when this goes to the, you know, to the Senate floor eventually. Uh, I think everybody else would be kind of predictable. I think all the other Republicans will probably vote against her. I think all the other Democrats will probably vote for her. So those yeah. are the six uh, gray area margin that we're trying to communicate. We do not want this person sitting on a lifetime yeah. appointment to the yeah. federal bench. And, and not only that, guys, if we can, if we win this battle, and we can, we really can, if we win this battle, it doesn't just affect a voodoo being on the court, but it also sends a message to Washington to the White House and to the Senate that, hey, don't, don't nominate any people like this again. If this person gets confirmed, what message does it send? Well, it probably sends the message, this person can be confirmed, so nominate more like them. So this has a downstream effect. If we can stop Nancy Abudu, it'll, it'll affect the types of nominees we get in the coming days and weeks and months. So, Jace, anything else on that? And then we'll talk about uh, your experience yesterday. Anything else on a voodoo? No, no, that's kind of it on a voodoo for now. I'm sure we'll maybe give another update uh, once they have the debates on the Senate floor and have the vote. And we'll see what happens. Good. So, again, in any state that you're in, you're in the battle. Call your senator and ask them, demand that they vote against a voodoo. But especially if you're if you're in those key states of South Carolina, Maine, Alaska, Utah, West Virginia, Arizona, you really do play a special role and we need you to do it and then get 10 or 20 or 100 of your friends to do the same. So, Jace, let's talk about um, everybody. Jace is our executive director, of course, and he's in Washington, lives right outside of Washington. But he was there in D.C. last night and, and um, his feet were on the ground and he was experiencing what was happening. So, Jace, why don't you tell everybody kind of what you observe? Yeah, the court's in a... It's, it's kind of tense times up there. I was, I mean, up there a few weeks ago and everything was open. You could walk right up to the door of the Supreme Court. Every, everything was uh, fine. There were tourists around. There were people going for jogs, riding their bikes. Last night I went up there and uh, we were, me and a, a friend of mine were just kind of walking around doing a little prayer walk. And it's, uh, it's very much not that way now. We showed up and around the whole perimeter of the Supreme Court, not just the building, but just the, the, the broader perimeter, these, there's a ominous 10-foot black metal uh, gates set all the way up and you can't get in. They have police uh, presence increased all around. And then it was just, it, it was just kind of an ominous, tense time. There was uh, a couple ambulances uh, on the backside where I guess there was an accident. This woman was on a stretcher with a neck brace. Something happened. I, don't, I didn't even see what it was. And then uh, there were and then there was a I guess like a quasi bomb scare. We were out walking around and all of a sudden a bunch of Capitol Hill police came around and they started escorting everybody off the Library of Congress patio. And then everybody moved off and they came over and escorted us even further. They said, you guys need to get out of here. Something's going down. They were putting up gates and then people, I mean, there were just police flocking to the area. And me and me and my friend kind of looked at each other and said, oh, this is kind of, this is a little, this is strange. Like these guys are on edge. Something's yeah. going on here. So we walked around and we found these, <laughs> these kids at the kind of the epicenter of what was going on. We just walked up 
I don't know if you're supposed to or not. And we, we said, hey, what, what's going on? And they, one of the girls said, well, some of our classmates were trying to take an Abbey Road picture right here on the crosswalk and they left their backpacks on accident and they thought it was a bomb. And so and it's and so it was it was, you know, it turned out to be nothing. And thank goodness that, you know, the Capitol Police are there and they, you know, they're, yeah. they're being vigilant, watching for threats. But people are on edge. And when we were walking around, everybody just kind of had this tension like, oh, this is kind of ominous. This is something is not right here. And uh, largely, it's because uh, the times around the Supreme Court are not so safe. You know, we've even seen recently, you know, there have been some news reports come out where there's people planning to go and cause problems at the Supreme Court and to bring chaos and havoc down upon whoever they can. And it's, it's not good. It's concerning. It's not, it's not beneficial for the operation of the Supreme Court. And we as the church, uh, one of the things we got to do is we need to, we need to pray against all these things uh, that are coming to intimidate and cause problems and cause fear. So yeah. anyway, that was the state of the Supreme Court last night. And it, it's looking like that's going to be it for a little while. And Jace, there are two parts to that. One is we have to take our stand spiritually in prayer. Um, But then you also need to take your stand in the natural in your sphere. So what does that look like for Jace Pimentel and Philip Jureggi? Well, it's different for us than it is for, say, for example, Samuel Alito. When he takes his stand in the natural within his sphere of influence, he's the one who wrote the draft opinion. And so we're asking, uh, if, you, if you say, well, I'm an intercessor, you know, what I do is I go into my, my prayer closet, then I say, do it. Do it like you've never done it before. Be praying for this situation. Be praying for the justices. But then also, if you're hearing this and you're someone, whatever your sphere is, and we'll just say Justice Samuel Alito, I don't think he's listening, but I hope he will. <laughs> but but what, what he would be doing under this model is he would be saying, I'm not going to be bullied by this demonic attack. I know what's right constitutionally, and I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to be threatened. I'm not going to be bullied. I'm not going to give in to fear. Jesus said, why do you fear the one who can kill the body and after that can't do anything else to you? What you should do is fear the one who, after he has killed your body, can put your soul into hell for eternity. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, if you don't like that statement, don't blame me. Those are the words of Jesus. Now, our Lord, now we don't run away from them, but, but guys, that's a strong statement. And we have to be at that position in America where we refuse to give in to fear. We're going to obey the Lord no matter what. No threat, no amount of fear is going to stop us from following the Lord and obeying him. And, and like David said, Jace, when David dealt with Goliath, he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. So, guys, we don't fight like the demoniacs fight. We fight in the strength of the Lord our God. So, Jace, anything else you want to share on that? And then um, we will wrap up here in prayer in a minute. Yeah, there's, uh, there's two verses in Scripture that kind of juxtapose the righteous and the wicked and how they operate. The Bible says the wicked man flees when no one pursues. But on the contrary, in Ephesians, when Paul's talking about the armor of God, uh, Ephesians 6, 13, somewhere in there, uh, he, he says, uh, put on the full armor of God 
so that when the day of evil comes, you can stand. And having done all, stand, period. And I love it. You got to exercise a little intestinal fortitude and say, hey, I know where the Lord is calling me to stand and operate right now because of what is good and just, and I'm not going to move come hell or high water. And, yeah. you know, we have a, we have a phrase in Texas I love. It's used a little bit as an insult, but, you know, when someone is kind of all talk and they, they cower when things get hard, you say, well, they're all hat and no cattle. <laughs> well, I thought we, you were... what we want is the church not to be all hat and no cattle we want uh to say when uh the going gets tough we stand and we do not budge because no matter whether uh sticks or spears or swords come at us we have the lord most high with more firepower in our pinky finger than the entire enemy encampment put together that's i'm glad you said that i thought you were going to say don't mess with texas <laughs> well, that too. You never forget that. That's you true. never forget the Alamo. So that's uh, those things are also important to bring up. That's good. So, guys, we're going to pray for the court and for peace. And uh, man, just even saying that word peace, just we just thank God for His peace. You know, the the enemy can't replicate it. He can't. He, there are a lot of things that he tries to counterfeit. He cannot counterfeit the peace of God. Only God has that peace. That shalom is the Hebrew word, shalom, shalom, that speaks of God's peace. So we're going to pray a prayer. It's called the Aaronic blessing. It's also called a priestly blessing. And this is given in, in the Bible, in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 and 26. Uh, this is the blessing that God instructed Aaron and his sons, the priests, to pray over the Israelites. And so we're going to pray it over the United States, but in particular over the court, over the justices, but even over everyone who works in that building inside and outside, maybe even more so, Jace, the, the folks that are working on the outside, but over the atmosphere, over the sidewalks, over that entire place that God will bring his peace there because the enemy wants to bring war and evil and lots of bad things that we won't even right. glorify it by going into it. But, but God has the peace of God that's beyond. Look, a battle, Jace, between God and the devil, it's not like two really good football teams playing, right? <laughs> right. Nobody is really biting their fingernails over there. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is, this is not a fair fight, guys. God is in a completely different league. He created the angels. Anyway, we won't go into all the theology behind that, but Jace, let's, let's, why don't you pray, and then I'll close us with the, the priestly blessing over the court. So you just pray whatever's on your heart, and then I'll close us. Great. Sounds good. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen your soldiers in this fight. We pray that you would give courage to the church and to those who you are partnering with at the Supreme Court and in our democracy and in our land generally. We pray that you would also simultaneously release your peace, your shalom yeah. peace, that we have a quiet but unwavering confidence that no matter what schemes or plans or attacks of the enemy come against us and your anointed, that we stand because we stand in the name of the Lord God most high. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, Lord, we pray this, <clears throat> this blessing, this prayer over the U.S. Supreme Court. We pray it over Chief Justice John Roberts. 
over Justice Clarence Thomas, over Justice Stephen Breyer, over Justice Samuel Alito, over Justice Sonia Sotomayor, over Justice Elena Kagan, over Justice Neil Gorsuch, over Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and over Justice Amy Coney Barrett, over their families as well, Lord, and their loved ones. We pray it over everyone who works in that building. Uh, the, the, the people who operate the elevators, the people who work in the gift shop, the people who work in the clerk's office, everyone there, Father, and even, even more than any of them, Lord, over the security, too, who work both inside the building and outside the building. We pray this blessing, Father, over the literally the air, the sidewalks, the property. Lord, every bit of authority that you've given us, we want to exercise that and pray this blessing over our Supreme Court, the building, that whole area, the streets around it, Lord, that have been targeted. We pray this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace or give you his shalom. We speak shalom over the Supreme Court, every soul in that building, and even the, even the physical area of the building and surrounding it. Shalom, shalom, shalom in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jace, is there anything else administratively that we want to share with folks before we sign off? Well, please like, subscribe, and follow our pages. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Spotify under the JAG report. We appreciate you guys watching and being part of our show. And if you have any questions, comments, words of criticism or praise, put it in the comment box. Uh, your feedback is always appreciated. I have two quick things. Number one, if you do want to support JAG, we will accept your gift. We will not send it back. Right, Jace? That's we'd right. Love yeah. to have, we'd love to have your support. We are a supported organization. So just to make that clear, we'd love to have your support. And then second, this is Memorial Day weekend, so find a veteran and thank them for their service, all right? All right, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Jace, thanks a ton. Absolutely. All right.